we're still speaking about the third rukun of the Arkan al-Islam, the third pillar from the pillars of Islam, which is zakat, which is zakat. We went over in last week's class the superiority of the zakat. Now we continue to read as the Fadilat al-Shaykh, Shaykh Saleh al-Fawzan, Ta'ala, he says that the zakah, this is something haqqun faradahullah azza wa jal, that this is a right that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made obligatory. Fi amwal al-aghniyal al-fuqara, from the monies of the rich for those who are poor. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, وَفِي أَمْوَالِهِمْ حَقٌّ لِلسَّائِلِ وَالْمَحْرُومِ And in their money, there is a haq, a haq, a right that belongs to the sa'il. Last week's class, we explained who was the sa'il. Does anyone remember? Who was the sa'il? Anyone remember? Who was the sa'il? Huh? Nah. Naam, the sa'il, he is the one who asks, the one who asks for money or charity. Naam. Wal mahroom, who is the mahroom? Huh? He's poor, but there's, there's, there's one poor person who's poor, he's sa'il, he asks. I'll give you a hint, the mahroom is the opposite. Huh? Nah, he's the one who doesn't ask. The mahroom, he doesn't ask. He's poor, but he doesn't ask. So with regards to the poor, those who ask, then there is for them a right from the money of the rich. And those who don't ask and they are poor, likewise there is for them a right from the money of the rich. Allah Ta'ala, He says, وَالَّذِينَ فِي أَمْوَالِهِمْ حَقٌّ مَعْلُومٌ And those who within their money, there is a right that is well known. There's a portion of their money that's due to others, and this is well known. For the one who asks and those who don't ask. For those who are poor and they ask, and those who are poor and they don't ask. Naam. The Shaykh says, فَهِيَ حَقٌ وَاجِبٌ وَلَيْسَتْ سُنَّةً أَوْ مُسْتَحَبَّةً أَوْ تَبَرُّعًا He says, and this is a right that is wajib. It is obligatory. It's not something that is sunnah, meaning by sunnah, mustahab. Mustahab, naam. So he, the shaykh he means by sunnah here, mustahab, naam. But he, and he clarifies. He says, وَلَيْسَ سُنَّةً أَوْ مُسْتَحَبَّةً It's not a sunnah, meaning that is not something that is recommended. It's not something that is recommended, okay? أَوْ تَبَرُّعًا Nor is it something 
that is just to be given as a charity to Barruan. Naam. As you may find individuals on Jumu'ah, right? They may hold up the sunduk and they, and they shout out to Barruat, to Barruat, to ask them for donations, donations. Naam. But the zakat is not like that. The zakat is not yani, just a donation that a person gives it if he wants to and the like. But rather it is something that is wajib. It's something that is wajib. And in this, really, this is another example of the superiority of Islam and the superiority of the Sharia. Naam. Because Hamd and Islam, it shows all of the Muslims, first and foremost, and then all of the world who looks and contemplates about Islam, that Islam is built upon justice, Islam is built upon caring for the needs of others, and is built upon equality, meaning that it makes sure that everyone who has a right, then they get their rights. That's what we mean by equality. That everyone who has a right, then they get their rights. Naam. So it's not uh, sufficient in Al-Islam, nor is it uh, something that is tolerated in Al-Islam, that you will have those who they will go to bed and they will have full bellies and then you will have other members of the population and they will go to bed hungry. But Islam, it strives to alleviate this situation by making it mandatory upon the rich that they give 2.5% of those monies that sit and a year has elapsed or has, has, has went over upon them and they have not been touched. That they must give 2.5% of this wealth to others. Ma'am, this is something that is wajib. And this is so that everyone can benefit and everyone could uh, have their needs satisfied. And we also see from this, hamd, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He doesn't place a burden on a soul greater than it can bear. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He doesn't place a burden on a soul greater than it can bear. Because look, the aghniya, the aghniya, those who are rich, there is a haq from their money that belongs to the fuqara. Okay? There's a portion of the money of the rich that rightfully belongs to the poor. But you find that those who are poor, the fuqara, you don't have within their money haqqun al-aghniya. There's not a right from the poor people's money that rightfully belongs to the rich. Meaning that what? Those who can afford to pay the zakat, then they are the ones who have to pay the zakat. As far as those who are poor, and they can't afford to pay the zakat, then it's not wajib upon them that they pay the zakat. Right? It's not wajib upon them that they pay the zakat. Because why? Because their money has not reached that minimum level, nor uh, do they have the means to pay the zakat. So therefore there's no zakat for them. There's no zakat that's upon them. Naam. And this is from the adil of al-Islam. This is from the adil of al-Islam. Naam. This is from the justice of al-Islam. Not like in other systems where you find more, you find a taxation upon all. Those who are poor and those who are rich. But rather you find that those who are rich, they have more, uh, what do you say? They have more things that allow them to pay lesser taxes and the like. They have more tax breaks than those who are poor. Naam. This is not justice. This is not justice. But when one looks about, looks upon this, these man-made systems, and then they look to the justice of Al-Islam, which is that which came from above the seven heavens, then he realizes what? Alhamdulillah, we are Muslims. Alhamdulillah, we are Muslims, and look at the superiority of Al-Islam. Naam. The Shaykh, he says, and this is something that is, 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 is important for us to understand. Ah. 
فمن أداها بالطيب النفس قبلت منه so ever gives it and he has a good soul يعني his يعني he he gives it in good for lack of a better term good spirits and the like then it will be accepted from him بإذن الله تعالى it will be accepted from him نعم ومن امتنع من أدائها من and whoever withholds he prevents from from giving it فَإِنْ كَانَ مُنْكِرًا So his situation will be dependent now. Whoever refuses to give the zakat, he refuses. He don't want to give, he refuses. He's not giving nobody nothing. Okay? His situation will be dependent upon what is behind him not giving it. Meaning, the shaykh he says, فَإِنْ كَانَ مُنْكِرًا لِوُجُوبِهَا If he disbelieves and he rejects his obligation, he doesn't give it because he says it's not wajib. I don't have to give it. Okay? This is a person who doesn't give it and he says, you know, that I don't have to. It's not binding upon me. It's not from Islam that I give anyone's zakat. That's not from Islam. Right? If a person is doesn't give it and this is his intention, that's what's behind him not giving it, the shaykh says, فَهُوَ kafirun." Then this person is a kafir. He's a kafir. Nah? So whoever says there is no zakat in Islam, then by that he would have left Al-Islam. And this brings us back to what we mentioned before. That from these five pillars, although they have been likened to the pillars of a structure, they differ in the sense that when you come to structures, architecturally, you may be able to remove one of its supporting pillars and the structure will still stand. You understand? The structure will still stand. Whereas with these pillars, if you remove one of them, then the structure collapses. So a person comes and he says, I don't, I don't, يعني, I believe in La ilaha illallah, but not Muhammad Rasulullah. Then there's no Islam for him. He has left Islam. If he comes with his shahada and he says, I don't have to pray, there's no salah in Islam, it's not wajib, it's just, it's just uh, a training, something you do to train your soul and the like, but it's not something that is binding. You just do it to train your soul in like a, uh, you know, a training, but it's not binding, it's not wajib. Do it if you want to. Then, he would have missed out on that pillar, that pillar would have collapsed, and likewise, there would be no Islam for that person. Okay? And likewise, the Shaykh is saying here that a person comes and he says, There's no such thing as zakat in Al Islam. If you want to give, give, that's fine. But there's no such thing as, as, as a charity that is binding and mandatory upon each and every Muslim to give, then that person would have left Islam by that. That pillar would have fallen, and likewise, there would be no Islam for that individual. Now, the Shaykh says, Well, in Kana. مُعْتَرِفًا بِوُجُوبِهَا وَلَكِنْ مَنَعَهُ الْبُخُلُ مِنْ إِخْرَاجِهَا فَإِنَّهُ يَجِبُ عَلَى وَلِيِّ الْأَمْرِ أَنْ يَأْخُذَهَا مِنْهُ قَهْرًا وَيُعَذِّبُ نعم وَيُؤَدِّبُ وَيُعَذِّرَهُ He said, but if a person, he doesn't give it, and that which prevents him from giving it is that he's stingy. He's stingy, he's a miser, he's miserly. Okay? Then, of course, this one, he's not a Kafir. He's not a Kafir. He's a sinning Muslim. He says, but it is wajib upon the ruler, it's wajib upon the ruler, okay, that they take it from him with force. Now, I want, I want, I want to stress this. This is wajib upon the ruler. The ruler, the authority, the authority of the land. 
Okay? The authority of the land, the government, the Muslim government of that land, that they take it from him with force. Against his will, they take it from him. Alright? I'm stressing the government because this is not for any of us to do. To look over our books and we say, hey, such and such family gives a cat this money. Uh, and then we grab the brother in the parking lot and we turn him upside down and shake him until all the money falls out of his pockets and we say, okay, this is about right. La, this is haram, we can't do that. This is something that's only the hop of the government to do. The government, they have the authority to do that. Everyone else, no. We have no authority to do that. That's something that's only for the government. He says, but in any event, the government, they are to take it from him with force. And they are also to penalize him and to punish him for this. This is something that is punishable. And they are to penalize him for this. Now, in a way that coincides with that which is mandated by Al-Islam and the way that the ulama from the of the ulama from the, uh, from the judges, they will uh, stipulate what his penalty will be and it will be at their discretion. He says, in But if this person who's, who's, who's you know, you know, on some lands you have people who are, are wealthy and they're powerful. They're wealthy and they're powerful, right? Uh, and, and they have with them Junudun. And he has, some, he has some troops, some hired hands, you know? He has with him some troops, uh, some guards and, and the like, and a little force, a little army, okay? Uh, and he has an outfit, like a military outfit that he employs, uh, What's the word? What do they, they call these individuals? Uh, like uh, guns for hire, right? Mercenaries. mercenaries. Now he has he has some mercenaries with him, uh, and he has with him now some mercenaries in the light. Then the sheikh he says, "Fa'ala walil amr ain yujayisha yujayisha jaysa li qitalihi hatta yuaddi azzakah." He says. If he has these mercenaries and his outfit and his, and his military outfit and the like, then it's upon the ruler to put together an army that will go and fight this individual until he pays the zakat. Until he pays the zakat. He says, كَمَا قَاتَنَا أَبُوْ بَكْرَ الصِّدِّيقِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَلَىٰ عَنْهُ مَانِعِ الزَّكَاءِ فِي خِلَافَتِهِ Just like Abu Bakr al-Siddiq رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَلَىٰ عَنْهُ he put an army together and he fought against those tribes who refused to pay the zakat when he was the khalifa. Uh, they came and said, no, we're not paying the zakat. That's it. It's no more zakat. Then Abu Bakr, he put together an army because they had the likes of this. They had some forces and some numbers and the like. He put together an army and he fought them until they paid the zakat. He says, وَيَقُولُ لَيْسَ الزَّكَاءِ وَاجِبًا وَالنَّاسُ أَحْرَارٌ فَهَذَا يُسْتَتَابُ وَإِنْ تَابَ وَإِلَّا قُتِلَ مُرْتَدًّا وَعِيَادَ بِاللَّهِ He says, but if this one, going back to the first one, first of the two, but if he says uh, arrogantly and obstinately saying that it's not obligatory, he's fighting against and denying its obligation, He's saying there's no zakat in Islam. There is no zakat that is binding, that is wajib. And people are free. Do what they want to do. Uh, you hear this word a lot, right? Freedom. Right? People are free. He says, then this person, he's to be called to make tawbah. 
He's to be encouraged and to be advised and called to making repentance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For in Taba, if he repents, if he repents and he pays the zakat and the like, then alhamdulillah, there's no action that's going to be taken. If he says that no, it's not wajib, because maybe he has with him a doubt or something like this, and the doubt is removed, the proof is established against him, and he makes tawbah, right? He makes tawbah, he goes back, he retracts, uh, and then he pays his zakat and the like, then there's no action that's going to be taken against him, period. And if he doesn't do this, and he remains obstinate, and he remains consistent upon uh, not paying his zakat and saying that it's not wajib, then it's for the government, at the government's discretion, then they could execute him uh, uh, due to him leaving Islam. Then they can execute him due to him leaving Islam. And refuge in Allah is sought from the likes of this. But again, this is what? Up to the discretion of the government. This is up to their discretion. Alhamdulillah, when you listen to things like this, right? I don't know about you, but this makes me happy that I'm not from the government. Because this is a burden. This is a heavy weight that the person has to have on them. That they will have to make the likes of these decisions. This is something that I'm telling you, no one should envy those who have been placed in, in, in charge of countries and nations and the like. Because this is not something that is light or that is easy upon anybody. And Allah Musta'an, those who seek it out and the like, Obviously, they really don't know the realities of, the, of that responsibility and the level of that responsibility because if so, then they will run from it like a person runs from the plague. We move on to the next rukun from the arkan of Islam. Rukunul Rabi'. The next one which is Sawm Shahr Ramadan. To fast in the month of Ramadan. To fast in the month of Ramadan. Naam. وَصَوْمُ شَهْرِ رَمَضَانِ مِنْ كُلِّ سَنَةِ And that is fasting the month of Ramadan every year. Every year. Every year when Ramadan comes, then we have to fast. قَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى شَهْرِ رَمَضَانِ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنِ The month of Ramadan where the Qur'an was revealed therein. إِلَى قَوْلِهِ تَعَالَى And so Allah's statement, فَمَنْ شَهِدَ مِنْكُمُ الشَّهْرِ فَلْيَسُمْهِ and whoever from amongst you, he witnesses the month, he witnesses the month, meaning he witnesses the hilal, or he's told about the hilal, that the month has began and the like, then he must fast it. Then he must fast it. This ayah is the ayah that made fasting wajib. Okay? Because the fast in the month of Ramadan, when it was first legislated, it was mustahabba. Okay? It was mustahabba. It was recommended. You can fast if you wanted to, then if not, then you pay the fidya. You had the option, okay? When this ayah was, when this portion of the ayah was revealed, فَمَنْ شَهِدَ مِنْكُمُ الشَّهْرَ وَفَلْيَسُمْ Whoever from amongst you sees the, or witnesses the month, meaning he lives to the month in the hilal and the light, then he must fast it. Whoever from amongst you, the Ramadan, it comes upon him, then he must fast it. فَلْيَسُمْ Then it's made it wajib. It made it wajib. So this here is a dalil that the fasting in the month of Ramadan is wajib. Naam. The shaykh, he says, فَيَجِبُ عَلَى الْمُسْلِمْ and Yasuma Shahr Ramadan. So it's wajib upon the Muslim that he fasts the month of Ramadan. Ada'an in kana yastatir. That he must do it if he can do it. He must do it if he can do it. Naam. Wa laysa lahu 
Meaning, he can do it. He can do it and he has no excuse. Okay? Meaning, he's healthy, he's a, you know, he's a resident and the like. He, everything, he has the ability to do it and he can do it, then he must do it. أو قضاء إذا كان لا يستطيع أداء وله عذر or he will make it up meaning he will make up the fast that he was supposed to do in Ramadan he will make it up in another month after Ramadan huh? why? because he wasn't able to do it and he had an excuse he wasn't able to do it and he had a legitimate shara'i excuse now the excuses, the adhar, they're only the adhar shara'iyya. They're only the legislative excuses. We can't make up an excuse ourselves and say, okay, that's an excuse. Okay? Person says, hey, I can't fast uh, today because I got a game. I got to play in this game right now. Playing in the game is not, it's not an excuse. He said, but I'm a starter. I got to play. This is my big shot. You know, uh, what do you say? Uh, scouts are coming out. Maybe I get a scholarship. Nah, that's not an excuse. You got to fast. Got to fast. Let's talk about Allah. Huh? Put your trust in Allah, fast and you know. And the proof that the excuse that is valid allows a person to fast and other than Ramadan, once whatever well once that excuse has has gone away, right? Is Allah Ta'ala's statement and so does the Baqarah. That whoever is sick or he is traveling, then he will make it up other days. Okay? So the person is sick with a sickness that is temporary. And the shaykh is going to get into the sickness that is perpetual. But for the one who is sick and his sickness is temporary, okay? Say, for example, he had the flu or, I don't know, he had something that, that, that comes and goes, okay? Um, then he will make it up once. That thing, that sickness which prevented him from fasting goes away. So once that goes away, then he will make whatever days up that he missed. Okay? He will make whatever days up that he missed. So if he missed a week in the fast of Ramadan because he was sick for a week, then after Ramadan, he will have to fast for that week. That seven days he will have to make up. Nah? Or if he was on a travel, huh? and this is important to mention, that being on a travel means that a person is on a travel. The ulama they say that there is no proof which states that uh, the travel has to be difficult. Because some people say if you're traveling and it's hard for you. Huh? The ulama they say there's, there's no proof which will point to that it has to be mushakta. It has to be a difficulty there. They said if a person is traveling and he's a traveler, whether it's easy or difficult, then it's upon his discretion to either maintain his fast or to break his fast. But if he, for example, gets on an airplane and he decides, you know, I'm just going to break my fast, right? He's a, he, then he can do that. That's up to his discretion. Even though he's in an airplane, even though there's air conditioned, even though, even though, even though, he can break his fast, it's at his discretion. And what the early man they say is that this was a concession from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon his slaves. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he knew that one day there would be airplanes. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He knows what will be after airplanes and so on and so forth. And He still allowed the slave to break his fast when he's traveling. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew that there will be a time that they will have refrigerators and they will have air conditioning and so on and so forth. And He still allowed the traveler to break his fast. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He wants for us ease. He does not want for us difficulty. 
So the ulama say it is thus therefore at a person's discretion when he's traveling, if he wants to maintain his fast, he can maintain his fast. But if fasting is difficult upon him, okay, he's traveling and fasting is difficult. See, when we're talking about the discretion, we're speaking about a person who is fasting and he's traveling, but it's not difficult. He's fasting, he's traveling, it's not difficult, he has, it's up to him. If he wants to fast, he can fast. If he doesn't, then he can break it. It's as upon his discretion. But the early mass say, however, the one who is traveling and he's fasting, and fasting is difficult for him. Right? It's like, and they say, he's, 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 it's like he's killing himself. It's so difficult for him. Okay? They say then it's binding upon this person that he breaks it. He's fasting, it becomes difficult, he's weak, he's lightheaded, he gets dizzy, he starts seeing double, right? But he's telling you, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to complete my fast. I'm going to still fast. Right? He goes, and he goes to the baggage claim area and he can't even pick the suitcase off the turn reel. And they're like, and he said, but no, I'm going to complete my fast because then the Prophet said, uh, that is not from righteousness. It is not from righteousness that you fast while traveling. So it doesn't make you more righteous because you almost fainted five times before we got you out the airport and you're still fasting. That's not from righteousness. That's not from righteousness. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a concession. So if you're, if you're traveling and the fast becomes really hard on you, then the ulama say you have to break your fast. You have to break your fast. Nah? Makes sense? But yeah. And this again shows what? How Islam is the truth. Right? There's so many things that the more you study Islam, you realize Islam is the haq. Islam is the truth. Islam, this is from Allah ta'ala. Islam and Rabbina. Naam. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has guided us to Al-Islam. Subhanallah. If you look at uh, these uh, aesthetics from other religions, right? Like the monks and, and the, uh, you know, and the like, the monks from the various, whether it be a Buddhist monk, a Hindu monk, or whoever, right? Christian monk. If you look at the torture they put themselves through with these things that they wrote upon themselves, you say to yourself, Alhamdulillah, I'm a Muslim. Huh? Alhamdulillah, I'm a Muslim. SubhanAllah. Look, I mean, the things they do, look, the, the ones who, uh, the men of their clergy are not allowed to marry, and the likes of this. What is this? This is that which they wrote upon themselves, right? But the torture that they put themselves through and subject themselves to, to is, is, is remarkable. Is, is subhanAllah. Now, uh, the, the manner of which that they, they go to extremes and exhaust themselves in doing things in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not reveal. Literally bringing themselves to the brink of destruction and then some of them even destroying themselves. Subhanallah. And they think this is from righteousness. No, this is, this is torture. This is torture. They're torturing themselves. For what? For nothing. Because Allah Ta'ala, He didn't reveal this upon them. So they torture themselves and then they get no reward for it. Right? And you look at that and you say, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah for Islam. Huh? And you see them and they, and they try to make it seem, oh, it's from righteousness. It's, look, we, we, we meditate and we're so spiritual that I can lay on a bed of nails. I can walk across hot coals and the like of this. And you say to yourself, subhanAllah, this is not a, this is not a sign of, 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 of righteousness. It's not a sign of righteousness. What prophet laid on better nails and walked and walked in hot coals and that? Okay, 
Right? It becomes very simple. What prophet did that? None of them. Okay, so why? So you think this is righteousness? Why? When the most righteous men that ever walked upon the face of the earth didn't do anything near the likes of this? So who told you this is good? Right? All this torture. You say to yourself, Alhamdulillah for Islam. Alhamdulillah for Islam. Huh? Subhanallah. Alhamdulillah we Muslims. Alhamdulillah. So for the one who is, as the Shaykh says, فَالْمَرِيضُ وَالْمُسَافِرُ يُفْطَرَانِ وَيَقْدِيَانِ So for the one who's fasting or one, one who's traveling and he's sick, then they eat. These ones, they will eat. Right? And then they will make up the fast later. Then they will make up the fast later. Now this is for the one who he can fast. His sickness is not perpetual. It's a sickness that will eventually go away. Okay? Once it goes away, then he has to make it up, make up those days. Like the traveler, traveling is something that is for a set period of time. Once the travel is over, he's back, he's a resident, then he'll make up those days uh, later. Now what about وَمَنْ لَمْ What about the one who can't fast? Because this one, as a shaykh he says, لِكِبْرٍ Because he's old. An old person. Right? And we know once people get older, right, their bodies can't handle the lights of the stress that fasting puts upon it. So what about for them? Or what about the person, huh? He has a marab, huh? Muslim. He has a he has a sickness that is perpetual. It's a sickness that doesn't allow him to fast and it's perpetual. Okay? What do they do? What do they do? Right? These type of individuals, as the Shaykh he says, فَإِنَّهُ يَفْتِي Then, they would just pay fidya. They would just pay the fidya. Right? Because the one who's old, that old, that old age that, that, that makes them unable to fast, that's perpetual. That's, that's, he's not going to grow younger again. Okay? So this is something that is perpetual. So there will never, become, there will never come a time for that individual where that situation will go away. And likewise, the one who's sick with a perpetual, perpetual sickness that doesn't allow them to fast, right? Because they have a sickness that their fasting, uh, their fasting will harm them. If they fast, it will harm them, right? But this is a sickness that's perpetual. It's, it's, it's not curable. They, will, they won't be cured from it. It's something that they will have until they die, okay? Then for these individuals, then, see, from the mercy of Al-Islam, then they will just pay fidya. They will just pay fidya. And this is the dalil for this is Allah Ta'ala's statement, وَعَلَى الَّذِينَ يُطِقُونَهُ And upon the ones, وَعَلَى الَّذِينَ يُطِقُونَهُ فِدْيَةُ الطَّعَامِ الْمِسْكِينَ That they have to feed the poor. They will have to do the fidya, طَعَامُ مِسْكِينَ They will have to feed the poor. So what does that mean, feed the poor? For every day, that they don't fast, they will feed the poor in, 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 in substitution for that day. And that will take care of them not being able to fast. So the Shaykh, he says, So every day, he will feed a poor person, and this will be his fidya, his, his, the, the, you know, the fidya for him not fasting. Okay? So, if Ramadan that year was 29 days, then he will feed 29 poor people. Okay? 
for each day. It was 30 days and 30 and the like. And again, this is for the one who is perpetually sick or the ones who have reached an old age which they, they, they can no longer fast. They can no longer fast. Man. Uh, so the Shaykh he says, so they would do this. He says, so the one who can't fast, he doesn't have the ability to fast, then he will not do it, nor will he make it up. He won't do it, nor will he make it up. Rather, he will just pay the fidya, and that's it. He'll pay the fidya, and that's it. Naam? And it shows you the mercy of Al-Islam. And the ulama, they say, will also enters into them. They say, are the women who are breastfeeding and who are pregnant. The women who are breastfeeding and who are pregnant. And this was the this was the, the fatwa from the Sahaba. This was the fatwa from the Sahaba. Naam? That for the woman who is pregnant, then she would just feed people. And for the woman who is breastfeeding and who feared for her child because fasting would reduce the only food source for the baby and the like, then they would pay fidya. Okay? And the ulama, they, they differ on this point. But, Allahu a'lam, this is the strongest of the two opinions. Others from the ulama say that they will be like those who are sick. So while they're in that situation, as long as they're pregnant, as long as they're breastfeeding, then they won't fast. But when that situation goes away, they don't make up their fast. The fifth pillar is, which one, Ya Shabbat? What's the fifth pillar? Hajj. Ahsantu. Gotta make sure you guys are still awake. Tayyib. Warukun Mukhamis. Hajj. You have to make the Hajj, the pilgrimage. Hajju Baytillah al Haram. Man istata'a ilayhi sabila. Making Hajj to the house for the one to Allah, to Allah Ta'ala's sacred house for the one who has the ability to do so. The one who has the ability to do so. You see the beauty of Al-Islam? Everything is linked back to what? A person's ability. If you don't have the ability to do so, then you don't have to do it. Like the one who, he doesn't have the money to pay. He believes zakat is wajib. He knows it's from Islam. But he has not been blessed to have the, the, you know, the money and the wealth to pay the zakat. He don't have to pay it. Right? For the one who believes in the siyam, right, but because they're old or because they have a perpetual illness in their life, they can't fast themselves, but they believe fasting is from Islam, then they don't have to fast. They pay the fidya. Huh? And likewise, the one who believes, he believes in uh, the hajj, but he doesn't have the ability, and the shaykh is going to explain what, what is meant by ability, then he don't have to make the hajj. But he believes in it, he knows it from Islam, but he doesn't have the ability to do it, so it's not upon him to do it. And that is something, subhanAllah, that is tremendously beautiful. It's something I, I want everyone to contemplate upon this, the, the adil, the justice from Allah Ta'ala, and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so, yani, he deals with his creation in the most excellent and best in, uh, manner. SubhanAllah. Hold on to that thought to after, inshallah. والحج معناه في اللغة and في اللغة and the language حج it means القصد القصد intention the حج means intention القصد that's in the law and the language linguistically وأما في الشرع but inside of the legislation 
الحج هو قصد بيت هو قصد بيت الحرام ها لاداء المناسك الحج والعمره تقربا الى الله عز وجل then it means to intend to make the pilgrimage to the sacred house in order to perform the rites of the hajj and umrah and a person does that taqarruban so as to draw near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so they do that for Allah ta'ala's pleasure now to draw near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with this tremendous good deed falhajj wal umrah ibadatan lillah azza wa jal hajj and umrah the knees are two acts of worship to Allah azza wa jal walakin makanahuma mahillahuma fi almasjid alharam but the place in which these two acts of worship are performed then they're in the sacred masjid the kaaba they're only in the sacred masjid in mecca the kaaba na'am وَمَا حَوْلَهُ مِنَ الْمَشَاعِرِ And from those places that are around it that are linked to his rights and the like. Like Al-Arafah and you know, so on and so forth. So this is what is intended by that. That in these particular set places, then this is where you make the Hajj. And the Kaaba and those surrounding areas that fall under the rights of the Hajj, then this is where the Hajj is made. Okay? Now a person may say, why will a shaykh specify that you know one may think this is well known you make hajj to mecca right unfortunately this is not the case the shaykh says falaw annahu hajj ila ghayr al-ka'ba falan yuqbal al-hajj ha if a falan yuqbal al-hajj if a person makes hajj to other than the ka'ba then his hajj will be will not be accepted will not be accepted now a person may say who in your right mind will make Hajj to other than the Kaaba. Well, you're right. I mean, I guess the 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 in that in that I guess the uh, what you call the the hidden weakness in that sentence is in their right mind. <laughs> okay, but yeah, there's a lot of people who are not in their right mind who make Hajj other places. Uh, the nation of Islam, yeah, yeah, they have a Hajj to other than the Kaaba. Right? Anyone knows where their Hajj is to? Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, they make Hajj to Chicago. Yes, yeah, uh, right. So, if a person makes Hajj to Chicago, or they make Hajj to Karbala and the like, uh, or they make Hajj to a grave, and as the Sheikh is going to mention and the like, then this is not Hajj. Person can't say, "Well, I made Hajj." Oh yeah, Mashallah. Well, yeah, we, did you go to Saudi? Oh, I go to Saudi. You know, JetBlue had a uh, you know had a had a discount, so I caught a trip to Chicago, like seventy five dollars round trip. <laughs> the Hajj is only to the Kaaba, only to Mecca. Now, if a person may Hajj anywhere else, then it won't be accepted. وَإِذَا تَقَدَ أَنَّهُ يَحُجُ إِلَى الْقَبْرٍ أَوْ إِلَى ضَرِيحٍ أَوْ ضَرِيحٍ نعم أو إلى بناء أو إلى شجر فإنه يرتد عن الدين الإسلام. And if a person truly believes that is legitimate to make Hajj to a grave. Or to a mausoleum, or to an edifice, or to a tree, and the like. Then, by that belief that they hold that you can make Hajj to other than Mecca, then they would have apostated from the religion of Islam. They would have apostated. So, a person says, "No, no, you can make Hajj somewhere else." And the like, then 
that belief that they have that you can make Hajj elsewhere, then it would render them apostates. They would have left the deen of Islam. So again, we see again how you remove one of these pillars, just one, that's it. There's no Islam. Now, and that's why these pillars are so important. It's so important we believe in them correctly and we teach ourselves and our children and the like about these pillars of Islam and the ahkam that are related to them. The Shaykh says, فَلَيْسَ هُنَاكَ شَيْءٌ يَحُجُّ إِلَيْهِ إِلَّا بَيْتُ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ بَيْتِ الْعَتِيقِ He said, there's nothing that you make hajj to except for Allah Ta'ala's house, the ancient house. الْبَيْتُ الْعَتِيقِ The ancient house. نعم. فَتُؤَدَّ مَنَاسِفَةُ الْحَجِّ أو مَنَاسِفُ الْحَجِّ وَالْعُمْرَةِ عِنْدَهُ وَحَوْلَهِ He says, so you have to make hajj to Allah Ta'ala's house and make the umrah to Allah Ta'ala's house. Uh, to the Kaaba and to that which is around it, as we mentioned. Kama amr Allah Ta'ala. As Allah Ta'ala has commanded. Wal hajju fi zamanin makhsus. This is something else. It's in a place that's specific, but it's also in a specific time. Also in a specific time. person can't go and say, look, I know hajj is in this month right here, but the, my travel agent told me the plane tickets six months after that. It's so cheap, I'm just going to make Hajj then. Nah. It's in this particular place, and in a particular, during a particular time. As Allah Ta'ala, He says, Al-Hajju Ashhurun Ma'lumat. That Hajj is done in well-known months. Well-known specific months. Nah. So it has to be in the right place at the right time. وَأَمَّا عُمْرَةِ فَهِيَ كُلِّ سَنَةِ لَيْسَ لَهَا وَقْفٌ مُحَدَّدٌ as far as Umrah, then Umrah can be made year-round. It doesn't have a, spe- a, a specific, particular time. You can make Umrah any time during the year. وَقَالَ تَعَالَى Allah Ta'ala, He says, مَنْ اسْتَطَاعَ إِلَيْهِ سَبِيلًا This is from Surah Ali Imran, Ali Imran, verse 97. Allah Ta'ala, He says, For the one who has the ability to go there. The one who has the ability to go there. لَمَّا كَانَ الْحَجُّ he said, due to the fact that Hajj, it requires money. You have to spend money in order to go to the Hajj. And you have to have, you have to travel to go to the Hajj. And in Hajj, you have difficulty. You have difficulty in Hajj. Anyone's made Hajj tell you it's difficult. You have to, you have to spend a lot of money, right? You have to travel, and travel is a, is a piece of punishment, right? So, so likewise, it's difficult, it's hard. You know, you're traveling away from home, uh, different time zone, everything is thrown off, it's difficult. Because of that fact, Allah, He, he stipulated and made it as a condition for His obligation, the ability. You have to have the ability to go, to, to do so. Okay, the Shaykh he says, فَإِسْتَطَاعَةُ تَكُونُ بِالْمَالِ وَتَكُونُ بِالْبَدَنِ He said, so إِسْتَطَاعَ The person says, what is intended by having the ability? He says, then that would fall under two things. Firstly, it will be linked to the money, financially, and also to the body. Okay, financially and physically. Right? Because a person can have one, not necessarily the other. But you have to have them both. You have to have the finances and you have to have the physical capability. 
Only once you have those two, then Hajj becomes obligatory upon you. Okay? But if you know if you're missing one of those two, then you don't have to make the Hajj. The Shaykh he says, فَمَنْ اسْتَطَاعَ بِبَدْنِهِ وَلَيْسَ عِنْدَهُ مَالٍ فَلَيْسَ عَلَيْهِ حَجٍّ فَلَيْسَ عَلَيْهِ حَجٍّ He said the one who he physically is capable, strong, physically capable, but he doesn't have the money, doesn't have the finances, then he doesn't have to make Hajj. Subhanallah. You see the, the, the mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon the ibad, that if you have the ability, right, physically strong, but you don't have the money, then you don't have to make the hajj. You see? Subhanallah. وَمَنْ اسْتَطَاعَ بِمَالِهِ وَلَكِنْ لَا يَسْتَطِيعَ بِبَدَنِهِ But for the one who, he has the financials, he has the financial wealth to do so, he has the finances, but he doesn't have the physical strength. Physically, he can't do it. Physically, he can't do it. He has the money, but physically, he can't do it. Now, when I mean physically, he can't do it, I mean, in reality, physically, he can't do it. Not somebody who say, I'm a wimp, I'm a chump, I can't do it. Not somebody who seriously, physically is incapable of doing it. Okay? But he has the money. Then for this particular individual, فَإِنَّهُ يَوَكِّلُ مَنْ يَحُجُّ Then for him, he would have a person make the hajj in his place. He would pay for a person to make the hajj for him. Okay? Again, this shows you the mercy of the deen of Al-Islam. Because look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He only makes the hajj obligatory upon those whom He gave the means for them to go. Because physical strength is from Allah, right? Our physical strength, our health, and the like, these are gifts that Allah gave to us. Money, wealth, finances, these are things that Allah ta'ala gave to us. You see? So therefore, only when we have the physical strength and the money does Allah obligate the hajj upon us. But if you look at it from that standpoint, you're doing what? You're only fulfilling that which is obligatory out of what Allah has already given you to do it. Right? Like those people who give money. They've given their money that Allah gave to them. You understand? They're given the charity from that which Allah gave them. So Allah gave them charity so that they may fulfill their obligation. Do you understand this? This is tremendous now. You understand? That Allah Ta'ala gives us the money so we can fulfill our obligations. So why would a person, once Allah has blessed them with a thing, not want to give what Allah Ta'ala has given them? And this is why the penalty for not doing so is so severe. Because this is a person that's truly stingy. Allah gave you the money to give away. Right? You're not even giving away that which is yours. Allah gave it to you, give it away. Likewise, when we make the Hajj, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He gave us the, 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 the ability. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us all of our faculties. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala owns us. But yeah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on top of that gave us the money to make the trip and so on and so forth. So, you're not giving up anything. You're only utilizing the gifts that Allah ta'ala gave you. You see? This is tremendous. This is subhanAllah. Allah doesn't place a burden on a soul that which you can't bear. And everything that Allah Ta'ala places on a soul, He gives to it what it needs to fulfill that. Now, 
The Shaykh, he says, and the reason this is that if a one who is not financially or physically able to do it, then he don't have to do it. He said, this is, huh? He said, because this is due to the fact that the Hajj is, is difficult. There's some difficulties in it. And it's far away from some of the Muslims. It's far away from some of the Muslims. Naam. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, يَسَّرَهُ اللَّهُ وَجَعَلَهُ مَرَّةً وَاحِدًا فِي الْعُمْرِ SubhanAllah, look, you gotta have the ability to do it, right? Physically and financially, okay? And if you don't have one of those, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it easier for you by not making it obligatory. You don't have one of those, okay, then you don't have to go. But even for those who have the physical ability, and they have the financial means, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it easy upon them because to go there is, is, is a far travel for, for some of the Muslims, right? And because it contains difficulty, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in making it easy only obligates that you go once in your life. You understand? This is, this is so merciful. That Allah ta'ala he makes it that we only have to do it once in our life for those who have the ability to do so. وَمَا زَادَ عَنْ مَرَّةٍ وَعَنْ زَادَ عَنْ مَرَّةٍ الْوَاحِدَ فَإِنَّهُ تَتَوَّعُ And whoever does more than the one time, then this will be from the perpetual good deeds that a person does. But by going once, he would have fulfilled that which is wajib. The Shaykh says, كَمَا فِي الْحَدِيثِ أَنَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ قَالْ أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ قَدْ فَرَضَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكُمُ الْحَجَّ فَحُجُّوا That the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, as it comes in the hadith, that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, he said, O mankind, verily, Allah has made it obligatory upon you to make hajj. So therefore, make hajj. فَقَالَ رَجُلٌ So a man, he stood and he said, or a man, he said, أَكُلَّ عَامٍ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ He said, every year, O Messenger of Allah, فَسَكَتَتْ حَتَّى قَالَهَا ثَالِثًا The Prophet ﷺ, he was quiet. Until the man said it three times. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ لَوْ قُلْتُ النَّعَمْ لَا وَجَبَتْ وَلَمَّا اسْتَطَعْتُمْ The Prophet ﷺ, he said, if I said yes, then it would have been wajib. Huh? But you will not have been able to do it. You see that? There's a lot of benefit we get from this hadith. The first benefit we get from this hadith is that what? Is that hajj is only once in a person's lifetime. The second benefit we get from this hadith is that the commands that come from the Prophet are obligatory and binding. Unless there's a supporting evidence from him, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, which shows us that it is recommended. Okay, so when the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he orders with a command, that command is wajib. You have to do it, and the proof is the Prophet's statement: "Lo qultu naam, la wajibat." If I said yes, then you would have had to make hajj every year, wajib upon all the Muslims. That if I said yes, that it will be binding that every Muslim has to make hajj every year, which shows us what. That the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is necessary in order for us to practice Islam. Because Allah Ta'ala, He says, Obey Allah and obey the Messenger. Okay? So when the Messenger ﷺ, He tells us a command, it's wajib, it's binding. Right? 
Likewise, when he prohibited us from something, is wajib and is binding. And then we understand from this the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon the Muslims in, in it that if we had to do it every year, we will not be we will not have been able to do it. This would have been something that would have been beyond our capacity. Which shows you what? That everything that has been legislated as being wajib upon the general masses of the Muslims is that which they had within their means and the ability to do. So a person can come and say, you know, praying five times a day is just too hard. You find people say that. It's too hard. You can't do it. Nah, you can do it. You're just negligent and you don't do it. But you can do it. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He did not make anything wajib that was beyond the scope and capability of the servants. So everything that's wajib is within our means and capability. Now, person come and he said, so how just, you know, I can't stay away from the haram. No, you can stay away from the haram. Everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made haram, He has given the servants the ability, the means and capacity to stay away from it. If a person does it, that's just because of that person. But they have the ability, they have the inner to stay away from it. And it shows you again the mercy of Al-Islam. The mercy of Al-Islam. Alhamdulillah, we are Muslims. Alhamdulillah, we are Muslims. Alhamdulillah. فَالْحَجُّ مَرَّةٌ وَاحِدًا وَلِلَّهِ الْحَمْدِ This is what the Shaykh said. He said, الْحَجُّ مَرَّةٌ وَاحِدًا وَلِلَّهِ الْحَمْدِ he says, so Hajj is one time in a person's life and all praise and thanks belong to Allah. Naam. He said, فَهَذَا هُوَ فَرْضُ He said, this is obligatory. وَمَا زَادَ عَنِ الْمَرَّةِ And what is over one time, فَهُوَ تَتَوْعُ Then this is just the increasement in the good deeds. فَهَذِهِ أَرْكَانُ الْإِسْلَامِ الْخَمْسَ He says, so these are the five pillars of Islam. وَالْحَجْ مَعَهُ الْعُمْرَةِ And the Hajj, when you make Hajj, also make Umrah. لِأَنَّ فِي بَعْدِ الْرِوَيَاتِ الْحَدِيثِ الْعُمَرِ Because in some of the narrations of this particular hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned, وَتَحُجَّ وَتَعْتَمِرَ He said, to make the hajj, وَأَن تَحُجَّ وَتَعْتَمِرَ To make the hajj and umrah. So in some of the narrations of this hadith, Hadith Jibreel, the Prophet ﷺ, he mentions, to make the hajj and umrah. So the Shaykh, he says, so when you make Hajj, make sure you make Umrah. When you make Hajj, make sure you make Umrah. وَالْعُمْرَةِ تُسَمَّ الْحَجَّ الْأَصْغَرِ And the Umrah is called the small Hajj. The Umrah is called the small Hajj. So the Shaykh, he brings this, so that even when those narrations that don't mention Umrah, Umrah is still understood, because the Umrah is a small Hajj. So it enters into the generality of the word Hajj. Naam. But in other narrations, it's specified, وَأَن تَحُجَّ وَتَعْتَمِرَ And that you make Hajj and Umrah. So if Allah blesses us to make the Hajj, make sure that we also make the Umrah. وَنَكْتَفِي بِهَادَ الْقَدَرِ Because after this, the Shaykh, he gets into the next part, going over the Arkan al-Iman, going over the six articles of faith as they have been uh, translated in, into Huh? So inshallah ta'ala will save that for the next dars when aktafi we have the qadr wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.